Hello, I'm Henry. And I'm Trey. And welcome to Marvelous, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Where we talk every week about an entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including all films and television shows. And we're starting right from the beginning with the big old movie, Iron Man 1. So what we're doing with this podcast is we're going to go through the entire MCU in order of when it was released, and we're going to try to explain what our thoughts were when we first saw it, what our thoughts are now, how it fits in the universe, and anything else we really want to say about it. But we will attempt to do so without spoilers for the future Marvel properties in case anyone is watching along for the first time and listening to us. So don't worry, we're not going to be talking about Iron Man 3 or Infinity War during this recording. We're only going to be talking about Iron Man 1, and since it's the first movie, it's going to be the only thing that we're talking about starting here. So... The way that we're going to introduce a film in each of our episodes is we are going to summarize it using the wonderful, incredible website IMDb. Woo! So, so IMDb, its summary of this movie is, after being held captive in an Afghan cave, billionaire engineer Tony Stark creates a unique weaponized suit of armor to fight evil. How would you say? Is that accurate? (laughs) I mean, it is... (laughs) I'm amazed it doesn't say anything about him being a superhero or, like, him being a weapons manufacturer. (laughs) To be fair, he's not exactly a superhero yet in this movie, but... I I guess. (laughs) But yeah, that pretty much describes, like, the first, I don't know, 30 minutes? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it doesn't say, like, there's, like, I was gonna say, like, should we spoil the actual movie itself? I think we're gonna talk all about the movie at this point. So it's like, yeah, like, it doesn't talk about, like corporate espionage or an attempted murder or something. I don't know. I'm just surprised that's all it says. Yeah, I feel like it could have gone more into the superhero realm, but eh. Maybe that's just because it was the first one in MCU. MCU words are hard. I don't know. I Since this is the first one, I don't really know what to expect. Yeah. I think it's good at not spoiling, but it's also like, I have no idea what this movie is from this description. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that they even mentioned Marvel. Okay, so, Trey, what were your original thoughts about this movie the first time you saw it, if you remember? The first time I saw it, uh, it was super overhyped, and I was not terribly impressed, (laughs) 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 to be perfectly honest. The first time, uh, oh, sorry, you can go on, you keep talking, I mean, you do you. (laughs) I mean, it was fine, like... It was a good movie, it just, yeah, it wasn't really my type of film, so, yeah. Yeah, whenever a movie is super overhyped, it's really hard to, like, to enjoy it nearly as much, unless it's just the perfect movie for you. Like, it can't even be great. It has to be great for you. I agree. So, for me, Iron Man being my favorite superhero, before I had watched any of the MCU movies, I loved everything about this movie when it came out, and I was so excited that my favorite superhero was finally getting a movie, and it just immediately sold me on the mcu for the beginning did you see i don't really did you see it opening weekend i don't know that was so long ago it was almost 10 years ago 2008 trey can you believe it (laughs) well do you know if you knew about any hype before you saw it i don't know how much hype there was before and i don't really remember how much there about the mcu there was other than like oh this is going to be part of a connected universe as they slowly start to hint in the movie I i don't know It was so long ago, in the before times, when no one knew about cinematic universes. Not every company was trying to do that. Fair enough. Poorly. So 
what do you think of the movie now? So I I haven't so to record this podcast, I rewatched it fully focused for the first time in a while. Like I used to play it in the background while doing other stuff a lot. So it was weird to like really take that close of a look again. And I still love it. And I think it holds up super well. I think it's great still. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I actually like it a lot more now than I did on originally. But I feel like this movie can be split into two halves. And the first half is like just freaking incredible, so well done, like amazing movie. And the second half is still good but doesn't captivate me as much and it's like yeah yeah. i remember i remember talking to you about it before we actually watched that and before i watched the movie again and i was thinking oh i I remember the end being kind of weak but honestly i thought the end was not near like was way stronger than i remembered still like it's a little weird peppered's really dramatic but like it's still really good and why everything's happening is like it's a very it's a very concrete story which i like yes and Honestly, though, this is the like the fourth time I've rewatched this movie since getting into the MCU, and I still never remember how it ends. <laughs> so, did you see? Did you see it in theaters? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, wait. By not remembering what it ends, are you talking about the final fight or Tony Stark having the press conference and being like, "No, I'm, yeah, I am Iron Man." I'm talking about the final fight, and I think, just making sure because forgetting that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, but like I think that. I think the fact that it's I amazingly dumb. That's what I Thank was you. getting Thank at. you for that clarification. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I think the fact that I never remember how they, the fight like goes shows you how forgettable it is to me, at least. Yeah. Well, the fight, that, that's the part of the thing. The fight is kind of not the strongest, especially compared to more recent films. Pepper is super dramatic and not and kind of annoying during it. But I, I, I remember that like he was using his original arc reactor the mini arc reactor i remember he used the original one before the final fight but i forgot about how little energy he had and how fast he ran out because in the fights i remember the original part and like it begins he is or obadiah is all sneaky in the factory then they pop out pepper's about to get killed iron man swoops in they have a fight it ends up on the freeway then they do the whole thing in the sky where he's like oh yeah i'll cause him to have the ice problem i had then they fight on the roof. I forgot that at the t- at the fight on the roof, he has like no power left. Yeah, like one percent or less. So basically, everything he's doing is him, not even the suit. Which I didn't remember that specifically, and that's cool. And I have things to say about that, but I feel like we're going a little out of order. Maybe we should save it for later for the we end. Definitely, <laughs> we definitely should. So, <laughs> our original thoughts. <laughs> I liked it a lot. You didn't as much, and now we both do. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, we should talk about the whole movie. Yay. <laughs> so, one thing I wanted to say is, I was kind of keeping little notes of when big moments of the movie were happening. And it's, like, super well-paced. Everything with how he's showing the technology, and, like, everything up until, like, the first suit being made. Everything before him dealing with being captured was the first 15 minutes. Everything with him going from being captured to escaping. Well, making the first suit was 20 minutes, then him escaping is another 10 minutes. Like, I don't know, I just thought it was paced super well throughout the whole movie, and it was fun taking note of it. Did you actually, like, keep track of the timestamps? Yeah. Um, (laughs) For people listening, I'm showing Trey that I have notes of actually, like, literally exactly when things happened. Well, not exactly, but pretty close to when things happened. It's me! What did you expect? Well, I was actually, like, wanting to... (laughs) 
see that myself. Like I was like, how much of the, how much time has passed right now? But my Blu-ray player unfortunately doesn't let, allow me to see that. So really, yeah. Even if you click, okay, whatever. So <laughs> it worked for me. So, anyways, yeah. Yeah, the him, pacing was good. Yeah, the first scene, him showing off the weapon, and then uh, then well, no, he doesn't show off the weapon. He just gets captured. Which the first scene was hilarious because he took the picture with the soldiers who wanted to take a picture with him. And he's like, all right, just don't post this to MySpace. And the fact that the guy actually had a camera and wasn't like just using his phone and taking a selfie was just hilarious to me. I know it was only like, it was filmed like 10 years ago, but just kind of funny how much we've progressed since then. Also MySpace. Oh, poor MySpace. What, what you don't have a MySpace now, Henry? <laughs> MySpace is totally different now. Now it's like a, some kind of music thing i don't i think i don't know how it works i think that might have actually died but i'm not sure i'm not i'm not surprised <laughs> music social networks don't work i actually read a whole thing about that today anyways <laughs> so yeah i thought i thought the opening was really strong like from the moment it starts you're basically captivated though i do think it's interesting because normally with if you start in the middle of the action and then the movie Flashback. like yeah like flashes back to 36 hours previously like i hate that when that happens normally um, same here this one i don't mind so much yeah i thought it was super well done which i again I, these are kind of details i didn't really pay that close of attention to the first time but yeah i liked it a lot and also one thing it was really cool to remember and see is how dead on robert downey jr is from like the first scene yeah like tony stark was perfect from the beginning and has been very consistent all the way till now. Like, he's evolved as a person, as we'll talk about in later movies, but, like, the character Tony Stark was perfect immediately. He's born to play this role. Yeah, Marvel, the perfect casting. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> and I think he's actually evolved a lot in this movie already, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah. I do, I do have one complaint about the flashback scene, or if that's what you call it, I don't know. But when he gets attacked by his own weapon, at that point on... Oh, at the very end? Yeah. Of the flashback? Of, yeah. At the very end of the future. Wait, isn't that the first scene? Yes. Yeah. But that's the future. <laughs> so it's not a flashback, it's before the flashback. That's... I don't know what you call okay, it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Just the first scene, when he sees his own weapon. Yes, when he sees his own weapon. As a first-time watcher, I don't think that you even understand, like, that that's his weapon, his company's weapon. I think they make it pretty clear pretty fast, though. But yeah, I was thinking about that, too, how, like, the movie seems like it expects you to have a lot of knowledge about this character, and Iron Man wasn't that popular before. Honestly, I didn't read- I've never really read comics. I've read very few. None of which were Iron Man comics. And all I really knew about Iron Man is he's a guy with a suit that shoots beams out of his hands because like of like Marvel vs. Capcom, like arcade games and stuff. I didn't know very much about him. I just knew like this guy's cool and I like engineering and science and machines. So this is what I want. But I do think that that probably should have waited until the movie caught up to that scene and like they can show that he's getting attacked by his own weapon. Well, then they shouldn't have that scene at all. That's all the scene yeah. shows. Well, and then they explain it pretty fast. That's not all the scene shows, but... It's him in the truck showing his personality, and then getting shot at, and then the bomb. I know. I think they should have at least... Maybe, like, replayed at least that last part of it. Because they could skip that part in, in the army vehicle, like, all that funny parts, and just go, like, explosion, and then, like, him getting attacked by his own weapon, maybe... I guess. I think, I mean, the movie does a pretty good job of letting you figure it out. Because, like, as soon as he gets there, or into, like, that 
basically mountain fortress. They show that he they have tons of his weapons and they want him to build one of his weapons and they love everything about his weapons. Like That's true. Even if you didn't get it, it's explained really fast. That is true. And very clearly. Yeah. But yeah, like it could be pretty confusing. And if you confuse someone in the beginning, then you could lose them and then that's not good. But I think they do a pretty good job of it. Yeah. The other thing about that scene that I don't quite understand is what the heck happened with Rhodes? Because he gets into the car in front of him and like somehow all the people around Tony are getting killed and Tony gets kidnapped. But, but I think he was in the cart behind him, actually. And it's like, they went to try to kill him. There was bombs and, like, gunfire everywhere. And they just happened to... They just captured him because they were... He was a target. I think it's just assumed it was just lots more gunfire. But, yeah, I was thinking about that, too. Like, how did they not just, like, keep hunting them immediately? It's one of those big leaps that they had to do. It's like, hey, to get this movie started, he was captured. It's a little weird. Like, this... This whole situation of, like, random guys in the mountain trying to, like, force him to make the most technologically advanced missile in the world is a little far-fetched. Yeah. But it had to be done to get the plot going. <laughs> so that's, like, it's one of those nitpicks where I'm like, all right, there's a few nitpicks I have with this movie if I want to get really nitpicky. Like that, it's, like, Obadiah making the warmonger suit way too fast. And the warmonger suit already being perfectly ready for the arc reactor for some reason. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, it's still it's still really well done. There's just some things that, like, paying so close attention, I was like, wait, why did this happen, though? Yeah, and there's a lot of scenes where it's just like, all right, I understand that the suit will let him get hit by bullets, even though that's not how physics works. But, like, when he launches out of the base with the Mark I suit and then, like, basically just dives to the ground from, like, hundreds of feet in the air with yeah. no parachute or anything, that's a little ridiculous with only a broken arm. <laughs> oh, he broke his arm? <laughs> Yeah, he's in a cast or sling. Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing. Like, why <laughs> is he not hurt at all? And he yeah. he falls multiple times in this movie in his suit from like heights. It's just like it's assumed like in the full suit he could take damage. It has inertia dampers or something. As an engineer, that hurts me to say <laughs> that it works that way. But it's a superhero movie. But that fall specifically was ridiculous. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about that if we're just supposed to take that as superhero logic. Superhero logic. Yeah, okay. 100%. <laughs> Fair enough. We should talk about the time in the cave with our good friend Yinsen. Yes, Yinsen. I always forget his name. In fact, I'm actually only remembering it because I'm looking at IMDb's page again. Oh, I wrote him down because I felt strongly. I can never hear him, him when he says his name. Oh, really? Like, he says it... Well, he says it, like, once, and then I think Tony says it once, and it's just like, I'm not ready to hear a name right then, so, I don't know. You have strong opinions. Tell me about Yinsen. Alright, yeah, so I had I had a few nitpicks about this scene, too. I mean, so first off, they're already buying his technology. Why do they need him to make a missile that he's going to be selling anyway? Why can't they just buy it? I'm guessing they don't get the latest, greatest stuff. They get the, like, later generation stuff that they have surplus of. Hmm. And also, not only that, it's one thing we find out later in the movie is they weren't sent to capture Tony Stark and have him make a missile. They were sent by Obadiah to kill Tony so that Obadiah become the boss of Stark Industries. But that's exactly why it seems so weird that instead of just killing him, they decide to make an elaborate thing of make us your missile that you just showed up. Well, they view Tony as the creator of all these amazing gifts. He's an idol to them. They don't want to kill him. Or that if they're going to kill him, they want something of great value, which Obadiah was clearly not paying them that much as they were complaining to him. That's like, hey, like you gave us trinkets to murder a prince. Yeah. And well, I guess if 
they're not getting like the newest tech, then that makes some sense. Yeah. Or they just wanted something of value because now they had him. They're like, well, shit, what are we going to do with him if, if Obadiah <laughs> won't even pay take him back? We have Tony Stark himself. Why don't we have him make the most awesome missiles for us? Did they say that Obadiah wouldn't pay more? I think it's kind of assumed. Oh, I thought that he did. I don't know. I mean, they they never tried to kill him and Obadiah just wanted them to kill him. So I think it's assumed that... Well, they made it very clear they were going to kill him after he was done building the thing, though. I don't, I don't think that's because of Obadiah. I don't know. That's never made clear. They only show Obadiah talking to him once. Yeah, all right. So what are your opinions on Jensen? Because you made it sound like you had things to say about him. <laughs> yeah, I actually, like, really appreciated his character. Um, I mean, I, I didn't remember this from last time, but watching it now... Just seeing him say, like, when I get out of here, I'm going to see my family. And then at the very end of that cave scene, when he sacrifices himself for Tony and being like, oh, no, my family's all dead. This was the plan all along. I'm, I was just aiming to help you get out of here. And, like, I was planning on going to see my family, like, through death. Like, I thought that was, like, extremely deep for a side character. Yeah. Because also, like, remember, they don't really, you don't really feel the weight of how much time they were in there. But yeah. they were in there for three months together. Like, literally the only people they could talk to yeah. was each other. And Jensen saved Tony's life. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird because, like, because of that one part of Jensen, I feel like he's the most developed side character aside from Pepper. In this movie or, like, the MCU? In this movie. <laughs> okay. Just double-checking. Like, I, I would really need to go through. Uh, I don't know, man. Coulson, he gets a lot of development. <laughs> Right. He's popping up again <laughs> and again and again. I had no idea he was in this movie that much. I totally forgot. I honestly expected him to be in it more. He's in it a lot <laughs> for a side character. He doesn't do anything, though. So, they make an Iron Man suit. Somehow not being seen by any of the cameras. It looked like a missile. Don't worry about it. Because a huge suit looks like a missile. Shh. Sure. <laughs> They, they almost got caught when he was assembling the leg parts. So one interesting thing that, about the scene of the escape, for one, the escape is really cool. And they make Tony in the Iron Man suit seem like a monster. Like in monster movies, he's like the scary thing creeping the distance and like banging at the door and just like throwing people around and killing a lot of people. It sets a tone for the entire MCU of these heroes aren't what Superman and Batman are supposed to be who are against all murder. They will straight up kill people. It's very understandable from Iron Man because he has literally been in prison for months. But it's kind of interesting to see, like, down the line. Like, I think almost all the heroes have killed someone. I don't want to go into specifics about certain ones. I know there's a few that haven't, but I don't want to spoil later things. But it's just interesting that it set that tone of it's okay to kill people in the MCU. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about this, um, not at this point in the movie, because I feel like this was completely justified and like, I didn't even realize, like, I don't know, I don't even think I even thought about the fact that he was killing people, because it seems obvious why he would be. Well, some of them kind of killed themselves, like someone shot him and the bullet ricocheted back into his own head. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and like, the main bad guy, he survived. Yeah, but I, I was more thinking about a later scene in the movie when Tony flies to stop them from using his weapons um, when he's actually Iron Man and he kills like all those guys that are holding people hostage and all that stuff because that's when yeah, it struck yeah. out to me like wow he's actually like killing all these bad guys oh yeah totally 
I, I really just wanted your thought on him killing people. In that circumstance, when it's a bunch of people who will literally kill all these innocent women and children, it's the only suitable option, unless you could take them out without killing them, which this is the literally the first time Tony has used his suit in battle, and I don't think he has safe ways of taking people out. And the only people he had in mind were terrorists at the moment. I feel like he could if he really tried, but I do think it's justified. It's very dangerous to do that in the hostage situation. Yeah, I And guess. these are terrorists who literally are just rounding up villages of people and killing them. This isn't their first village. I do think it's extremely interesting, though, that they they don't show, like, how morally compromising it was and how guilty they are and all this stuff. And he has no reaction at all that we see. Yeah, that's one of the things I was just about to mention is the fact that Tony seems pretty unfazed. Yeah. But he's been in the industry of war essentially his entire life and specifically making weapons for the military. And these are the same people that had him captured beforehand. So I could see that. And I think in future movies, it would make more sense for him to go into it more deeply, which again, I will not say anything more about for future movies because things happen. Anyways, so he makes the first suit. He escapes in a ridiculous manner of shooting away and then just like dropping hundreds of feet and surviving somehow and then he's rescued because people see it i i can't lie though i do love that his first attempt to fly like totally fails epically fails yeah. oh wait are you talking about when he's making mark two or mark one mark one mark one did exactly what it was supposed to just get him out no i know it wasn't but... supposed to like long-term fly but he did like try to fly and then just epically failed yeah because he he just put himself on a missile like, literally, he used missiles to make the <laughs> Mark I suit, which I just, is great. I just love that it didn't, like, work perfectly. It did exactly yeah. what it needed to to get him out, though, which was just amazing. Yeah. So anyways, he's rescued. He gets back to America. He makes his press conference to the world that Stark Industries will no longer make weapons, and everyone goes crazy. Let's, let's talk more about that. Because I really just want to examine the depth of Tony's character, like, in this instance. This is a dude who has been, he's had a certain point of view of the world. He's building these weapons to help America keep the peace and basically thinking that he's the good guy. And it's really important in context of this was soon after 9-11, because this came out in 2008, which means it was probably written in, like, 2004, 5, 6. So this was America's persona at the time. Like, we are stopping the terrorists. Yeah. We are number one. War, go! <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, like, this didn't even seem out of place at the time. It just felt like this is what America's like, and that's how we protect people. Yeah, and just the instant that he sees, oh, shit, the things I'm creating are being used by other people to do bad things and being used against us, like, he completely takes accountability and responsibility for everything even though he had nothing to do with giving them those weapons because he created them and they're in the wrong hands just him owning up to that so fully and being like my company will not be making any of these weapons anymore and then through the rest of the movie going to literally destroy any weapons that are given to the wrong hands i was like i don't know i thought it was showed incredible depth of character and evolution of his character yeah and they already kind of hinted at that as soon as he saw them when he got to the mountain fort of his disbelief of how they have his weapons and how furious he was about it and how he would never let this happen again. Like, the thing he made sure he did before he escaped was burn all the weapons. Mm -hmm. Like, number one, it's these weapons cannot be used by the bad guys. And if they're getting in the bad guy's hands, these, these weapons can't be made at all. 
That's what's so interesting though. Like he doesn't do anything in this movie to be a superhero. All he does is stop the things that he created from causing bad. That's true, I suppose. I mean, I didn't realize that he never did like a normal superhero thing. It makes sense. He didn't have a chance to do it yet. Yeah, that's what I got this upon watching this movie this time and I never have gotten it before, but the entire plot is actually pretty cohesive about him stopping his weapons from being in the wrong hands. And really streamlined. Yeah, and that's, that's all it's about. <laughs> Yeah. So right after he has his press conference, Coulson pops up for the first time mentioning S.H.I.E.L.D. when they were still spelling out the name. I feel pretty confident that that was just a writing choice to say it out the whole time just so that at the end they could be epic and be like, call it S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yeah. I just remembered this being a thing, so I thought it actually wasn't called S.H.I.E.L.D. yet, which is kind of silly since it was already the right initials, I think. Yeah. Anyways, that just stuck out to me. But Coulson, the first sign of a greater universe, rather than just this movie. What are what are your thoughts on the introduction of Coulson? It's really hard for me to remember what I was thinking then. It was kind of silly, him popping up, because I'm like, <laughs> it's Coulson. Because <laughs> <laughs> now I know what Coulson's been up to, but I, again, don't want to go into it. But it's just funny that, like, he seems a little out of place, but knowing his character, it feels right, of him being, like, a little goofy and weird. That's funny because I feel the opposite. Yeah. Whenever we're talking about Coulson, you feel this way, usually. No, I feel like he fits in the movie, like, because oh. he, I don't know, he's just like... Like, hey, I need to debrief him. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really yeah, do anything. Yeah, because that's really reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was just thrown off because I know, like, more about Coulson now. And, not, and we know he's S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Yeah, knowing more about him makes him feel like this is a weird spot for him to be. <laughs> you know, we didn't talk about the ladies' man part in the the flashback. No, we didn't. Yeah, so Tony being a womanizer and Jarvis gives you a really good idea of what Tony Stark is like. And it kind of shows him as not the most morally respectable person, which makes his conversion to wanting to stop all the weapons from being made extra impactful. Actually, I meant to include that when I was talking about his character, because he still keeps all of those elements after he comes back. Like, he still treats everyone like he doesn't care about anyone else but him. He's still, like, putting his selfish and egotistical self, like... That's that's his front, and it, it comes off really well. Like, he doesn't give a crap what anyone says or thinks. He'll use women, he'll use anybody, pretty much. Like, I want to have sex, cool. But then he has this depth of his character that he feels like he needs to do what's right and be doing good for the world, which is an interesting, it's an interesting opposition, like contradiction in his character, I guess. Well, I think over the whole movie, like slowly is moving the other way. And also when he comes back, it's not that he just like is using Pepper and using all these people. It's like, hey, like I am just, I, I'm a man with a mission. There's nothing else in the world that matters right now. I need to get these weapons out of their hands. And all those moments with Pepper, like Pepper helping him switch the arc reactor for the first time, it starts to show both of them being way more vulnerable and appreciative of each other after being separated for so long. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I The only reason I even said that, which I probably shouldn't, but I'm counting what I looked at in the deleted scenes, which after he comes back, shows him still being a huge womanizer. Um, That's not, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't able to watch them, and I'm probably not going to be for most of the movies, so I think we should... Focus on the movie, yeah. Yeah, focus on the actual movie. So, anyways, him making Mark II, I think is just super cool, 
and it's fun to see his like his holograms and crazy tech and all the silliness in trying to make the suit where like he crashes a bunch of times and stuff yeah <laughs> and the robot that keeps just like annoying him and spraying him and using the fire extinguisher on him when it's not necessary i just love everything about that scene or sequence of scenes <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty great to see. Because um, they usually just skip all that in superhero movies. They'll be like, training montage or something of that nature. And this we actually yeah. get to see him building his suit. Yeah. I do have one question, though. I don't know if you can answer it or if it's just nonsensical. Um, I'll do my best. <laughs> Mr. Engineer. So when he gets back from flying the suit and he's like a foot off the ground and he turns off his jet and then he falls three stories through... That could totally happen. It's so heavy. <laughs> How is it? And ceilings aren't that strong. So the first ceiling doesn't need to be that strong because it bears almost no weight. And then he falls through an entire floor. So then he has enough momentum to go through everything. But That's totally possible. But how is, like, if he can walk around in that suit when it has no power, how is it that heavy? <laughs> you can have passively powered things. Like with springs and stuff, like there's ways for it to like passively assist you while you're using it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I love the scene where he finishes the suit for the first time and just whatever, screw the test, let's go. And it starts the whole driving with the top down theme, which I love that song. And I listened to it. I used to listen to it all the time. I just still listen to it every now and then. But just everything about that scene of him like launching with Mark II the first time blew my mind and just made me so hyped <laughs> on everything about Iron Man. <laughs> I just love that scene so much. Also, he flies by the Santa Monica Pier, which is where I worked for a little bit. He flies what? <laughs> he flies by the Santa Monica Pier, like when he sees that kid on the uh, Ferris wheel with the ice cream and stuff. Which is where you're from? Well, I'm from LA, but when I worked on the pier for a little bit. All right. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Mark II is basically considered complete. He just gets it repainted and then goes to this fundraiser that's held by his company stan lee has his first cameo ever <laughs> not ever he was in spider-man oh come on first one in marvel during that whole fundraiser tony has some awkward romantic drama with pepper and he finds out at the very end that obadiah is the one who directly sold his weapons to the evil people okay so and dun 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 the villain is revealed so <laughs> more than halfway through yeah I'm wondering, why, why do you think he doesn't kiss Pepper? Because they have, like, this romantic moment, and then she leans in for a kiss, and he just kind of stands there awkwardly. Like, what? <laughs> They're both really awkward and bad with commitment. That's kind of their thing. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't really remember exactly, but the, with the power dynamic and how it was, and Pepper being kind of uncomfortable, I think it was, like, the right thing not to do it right then. But forgetting her up there wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, but, I don't know, he brings it up later, like, oh, do you ever think about that scene where it was all romantic? And I'm like, if you think about it, why wouldn't you have kissed her? Well, because he's trying to be like, hey, I screwed it up, let's try again. And then she's like, oh yeah, you mean that scene you totally ruined? Like, that was, that was funny. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. So you think so, it's just him trying to be moralistic and not wanting a relationship yet? Pepper and Rhodes are literally the only people in the world he cares about at this point. I know. So, yes. I think he doesn't want to hurt her. And he's afraid. But then why... I didn't focus that much on this particular scene. So, like, I'm not... I don't remember... All right. Um, like, it's... I, I, I didn't analyze it that much is what I mean. I totally forgot that they did not get together in this movie, by the way. Yeah, me too. 
it. Because, <laughs> like, I remember, like, there's a scene in a later movie where they were together. And I'm like, wait, I thought, I thought they were already together here. It's hinted that they will be. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Pretty heavily. <laughs> spoiler, they do get together at some point. Oops, we, we're not spoiler-free. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Tony now knows Obadiah is the cause. Uh, and Obadiah has now very actively been trying to get the suit tech, which it's suspicious if you already know that Obadiah is villainous. I don't really remember what it was like the first time. But Tony has already been very secretive about it, keeping it on his own private server and all. So after this, Iron Man is inspired. Now that he knows these people aren't stealing his weapons, they are getting it directly. Iron Man goes on his first real mission, going to that other village where we talked about earlier, where he kills a whole ton of people <laughs> to deal with the hostage situation. How long do you think that flight took him? <laughs> uh, six hours? Hmm. He can go supersonic. What? He can go supersonic speeds. He can? Were you not paying attention to the movie? Did he say that? Yeah, he can. Oh yeah, they sp during the F-22 fight, he goes supersonic. What? What does that even mean? Supersonic is going faster than the speed of sound, which is like, is it 800 miles per hour? It's totally gonna give it to me in meters per second. Ah, damn it, 340 meters per second in miles per hour, because we're Americans, 767 miles per hour. So how long would it have taken him to get there? Since we don't know exactly where, I'm pretty sure that uh, it, it probably took him like four hours. So he's just like, I'm just going to go for maybe a, five or six. I'm going to go for a four hour flight around the world now. <laughs> sure. Why not? He, he's Iron Man. All right. If he flies when he wants to fly. I didn't even realize. I don't know. Maybe he has some movies in there, man. <laughs> I didn't even realize until this movie that he lives in California. Yeah. And all the Avengers stuff takes place in New York, so he just flies there all the he time? He moved. Oh, yeah. he moved? Anyways, yes, he lives in L.A. So he goes on his first mission. There's uh, a lot of villagers being hunted down. And it shows off how powerful and more advanced that this new suit is. In a hostage situation where there's six different gunmen pointing guns at women and children, Tony locks onto all of them and just kills them all at once with shoulder cannons. That was great. And then later on, when he's done, he flies off to the other village where the main enemies were. And he got shot down by a tank. It shows that he could survive tanks. And then he takes out the tank in one shot. Woo. Which, again, shows how <laughs> obscenely powerful he is. Should we just rush to the end? I don't think we should rush. I think we should go through anything we have to say about what happens. Well, I was just going to say, Pepper finds out all the information by hacking the Tony Stark servers. Yeah. Obadiah goes to the evil group and kills them all and takes the Iron Man specs and begins making his own version of the Iron Man suit. But he can't get it to work because he can't make a micro arc reactor like Tony Stark has. Eventually, when Obadiah realizes Pepper now knows what's going on, he's like, crap, I have no time to finish this arc reactor. Where can I get a working one? Aha, Tony himself. That's not what happened. Yeah, it is. No, he, he couldn't figure out how to build an arc reactor. I said that. Didn't I? I thought, well, you just said he has no time to finish the arc reactor, so he goes to Tony. Well, not immediately. All of this happens in the same day. He rushes to his scientists to have them make one. They say you can't. And then he's like, crap, crap, need to get this now, or everything I've been working towards is going to get revealed. And then he's like, wait, I know where to get one. Tony. I think that's exactly the point, though. Like, Tony can make this thing that no one else can make, so he has to go to Tony to get that thing. Yeah, of course. But also, he needs to do it right then. 
Because Pepper and Coulson now has a bunch of agents about to take Obadiah out. Yeah. They were coming to arrest him at the final scene. Which I really have to say that she should have called Tony, like, the second that she... She tried. No, she didn't. Because what she did first was meet with Coulson. And she should have been like, hold on for one minute. I need to call Tony and tell him, don't trust Obadiah. Be careful, because he's coming for him right now. That was one of my nitpicks. I mean, for one, they already knew not to trust Obadiah. That's why they went to hack his own computer yeah but they also there seemed to be a huge time skip when pepper went to tell tony and escape with colson and when obadiah went to tony it was kind of weird well that's what i why i think what we're supposed to assume is that she met with colson right then she told colson everything and just like let him rally his troops la-di-da and then eventually after all that big meeting she called tony at the same time that obadiah had already arrived at tony's house yeah that's definitely one of the weird things and then again once obadiah gets to his house he paralyzes tony and steals this arc reactor yeah and that's one of the weirder scenes it makes perfect sense of why i think it's cool i just think and it has a lot of metaphors and stuff about it what metaphors well just that he he takes the arc reactor and then tony has to get his old arc reactor which Pepper made as a trophy saying, you still have a heart. Yeah. And that's the arc reactor he uses, the one he used back when he was captured. So you're saying it's like a metaphor for he has a heart, which is why he's doing this? Kind of. It means a lot that Pepper did it. It's, uh, man, I don't remember. Now that I'm on the spot, I don't remember what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the whole idea of him using the old arc reactor for the final fight. So I have a problem with that because he specifically says when he takes the arc reactor out that this is dead. It doesn't do anything anymore. I mean, he would have been way more in a rush if it was going to die that second. Right, but... I think he's just like, this is this is old and crap. Get rid of it. I'm not nostalgic. It's going to die soon. That thing's, that thing's still at like over 40% juice and he's just like, oh, it's dead. Get it out of me. To be fair, honestly, I don't know if it had enough power to give the main suit 20 for 20% power because that's what it was i thought it was 40 i don't know maybe it was 40 it went down to 20 really fast yeah it did i think that was from him just flying over i don't know i like that whole thing and how he had the you have a heart old arc reactor i really liked that she made that into a trophy like that <laughs> yeah and then he ruined it i know because he needed damn it tony <laughs> <laughs> tony ruins everything this is why we can't have nice things so anyways Obadiah, using his paralysis machine, steals the arc reactor and puts it into his warmonger gigantic Iron Man suit. This is when Pepper begins to get a little annoying and dramatic, I think. I, I didn't think she was annoying. I mean, I get how you can see her as dramatic because she's like kind of screaming and freaking out a little bit. It didn't feel natural to me. Yeah, I guess so. That's what I mean. Like, it's annoying because it felt wrong. Like, it didn't feel like this is how this character would act. It was just her screaming in kind of an unbelievable way. How do you think she would have acted? I don't know. It just seemed like bad acting to me, to be honest. <laughs> it just didn't seem real. I don't... Okay, I feel like if there is a fault, it would be more in the directing of how she should be acting rather than her actual performance. Sure. Yeah, because she's perfect everywhere else in this movie. Yeah. And it reminds me of why, like, I used to, like, crush on her super hard back then. Cause... You did? <laughs> well, not super hard, but, like, she is the best superhero girlfriend in, in all of the MCU even now, I think. Um... She's the... I think she's the only one that has real character. Peggy Carter. <laughs> Almost. Who isn't in the sequels. 
that's not a spoiler because Captain America takes place in World War Two, and the modern ones she, take place in modern day. She is in the sequels. Okay. This is not relevant. <laughs> it's, it really isn't. Peggy Carter is in the MCU, you said. Uh, ugh, whatever. <laughs> she doesn't have a chance to be like a long-term love interest. I just like Pepper. I think she is one of the best female characters in the entire MCU, even as a side character. She's a good one. Yeah. So the whole fight with Iron Man versus the Warmonger. It was interesting because the Warmonger had the powered-up suit. I mean, using Tony's beefed-up arc reactor... But it just was huge, hulking, and inefficient compared to the really slim Iron Man suit. And Iron Man, even with low power, was still able to defeat him. Yeah, it was kind of weird the way that he, like, got super iced, but then that didn't do anything to phase him. I mean, I think the whole thing was he fell, but his suit's so ridiculous it didn't even matter. He And he might have <laughs> caught himself, We like Iron Man did. Yeah. It it was weird that they didn't really show what happened. He just popped up again. Yeah. And then, you know, Pepper turns on the thing and she fries him and he falls and dies. Well, I was going to say, it was, it was cool on the rooftop battle that Iron Man fought him with basically no power using his mind. Like, his engineering abilities of, hmm, I have no power. What do I do? I disable his suit. So he went around disabling his weapon systems and stuff. And it shows that it's more than just a suit. It's also him being in control and being smart. How did he disable his weapon systems? He, like, jumped on him and just ripped it off. Oh, okay. I think he just said, this looks important. Like, I don't think he was going for it specifically. But <laughs> I think he was going to keep going for things. And also he used flares and stuff to blind Obadiah, so he had to open the, the shielding. Yeah. It is. And things like that. I do think it's an interesting choice for a first battle a first climax battle with a superhero to have him to have his first climax be your suit is down <laughs> yeah it is really interesting that like they didn't have a full powered battle but I, I i still liked it so obadiah is defeated by pepper and tony overloading the big arc reactor that tony used as an idea to make his tiny one and i forgot that it's the first sky beam of the marvel cinematic yeah. universe <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know what I mean by that is giant blue beam shooting towards the sky. Which is in almost every Marvel movie. <laughs> and almost every superhero movie now. DC's done it, Fox has done it, Sony's done it. Everyone has giant blue sky beams. At least Iron Man was the first, so like they could be that's okay. And also it was more of a <laughs> lightning burst than like sky beam like later movies. <laughs> yeah, so. sure. So anyways, after <laughs> In general, did you like the fight? No. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I thought it's not amazing compared to like later ones, but I think the drama of what's going on with the characters is pretty well done compared to just like the actual raw battling itself. The battle is not the most impressive thing in the world. Yeah. But I should probably clarify that. Like, it is fine. Like, I'm interested in the characters except Obadiah. <laughs> yeah. Obadiah. I think his character makes sense, which I like. Wait, what? I mean, he's evil, but like he has very clear motives. But he's one note evil. How did this one guy manage to be best friends with his father and the son their entire lives and like He was using the son the whole time. He just has no humanity in him, doesn't care at all about killing everyone or anyone or his best friend or his best friend's son or well, I think at the end, he just went kind of crazy because he knew he was going to be captured. He wanted to kill Tony in the first place. 
Yeah, but he wanted to do it stealthily and not kill anyone else just because he knew Tony probably was going to, like, take the company away from him I f- when he found out what was going on. I feel like this is irrelevant. I don't know. I thought he was fine. He's not the most amazing villain ever, but I think he worked pretty well as a first villain. I don't think that he's a real human. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Let's talk about the end then. So there's a press conference, and then Tony is like, I am Iron Man, and everyone goes wild! Yep. And it sets a huge tone shift for the MCU of what was to be expected, because in the comics, almost everyone has secret identities. Although, I think even in the comics, Tony Stark was always pretty public? Not even just the comics, but this is like the first real superhero movie that wasn't, that just, the hero just completely made his identity public. Like, my point being that Iron Man kind of breaks this whole notion of, like, secret identities and blows the lid wide open for the whole MCU just to show that it's not going to be the same thing that's been done before. Yeah, which I think is super cool. And also it kind of just makes way more sense in the modern era. Sets a whole tone for the MCU. Like, there's a lot of, like, jokes and stuff in it. But the characters are pretty serious when it comes to, like, themselves as heroes. There's a lot of characters later on who hear what their comic name is and, like, think it's a joke and never use it. Or they use it and it's always, like, a joke, like Ant-Man in the future. Like, he always just finds that name to be hilarious and never uses it. So, I think this moment really set a tone for all of the future. And also, Coulson's related to this scene, and he reveals S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And it, it was really the beginning of the MCU. And then, should we go on to the after credit scene? Not yet. Because um, <laughs> I also want to say... Uh, hold on, let me... <laughs> my thoughts. Gather your Gather thoughts. Gather my thoughts. Um, I believe in you. Alright, so, what I think is interesting about this is that... Tony is basically revealing himself as a superhero before he's actively done anything super heroic, if you know what I mean. Like, he's fixed all his own mistakes right now, but he's already decided, I'm going to be a superhero that's going to now do good for the world that's not just, like, accountability of myself. That's really a good point. And when we get to Iron Man 2, we can talk about what that means and meant in the in-between times. Because that's true. Even during the press conference, he's like... I don't know who this Iron Man is. I wouldn't call him a superhero. And then, like, the main character in the press is like, we never said superhero. And then he just labels himself as a superhero anyways. Yep. It shows a lot about his personality again. <laughs> and But also what he intends to do with it. And also kind of funny that he hints at secret identities, but this is obviously a world where Marvel comics don't exist because they're real, which means maybe he's thinking about Superman. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Superman is his idol. <laughs> Does Superman exist in this world? No. I mean, comics probably, to be honest. They never really talk about it. But they had to be superhero media. He already knows the shtick of secret identities, and Captain America was the only superhero that people knew about at that point, and he never had a secret identity either. Yeah, this is too meta. Um. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, in the after credit scene, Nick Fury pops up, and he's like, Hey, S.H.I.E.L.D., Avengers Initiative. I actually don't remember if he says Avengers Initiative specifically, did he? No. Well, yes, he, do- I think he, he does. No, he did. Yeah, I have it written yeah. down. But that's actually not the line that I thought was so great. Like, what Fury actually said before that was, you've become part of a bigger universe, You just, or, and you just don't know it yet. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so meta, because Iron Man is literally creating this entire universe, and yeah. he doesn't know it, and we don't know it, nobody knows it yet until this point. And what's amazing, and this movie could have bombed. Yep. 
Like, imagine that was the end of the movie. They never made another one. I mean, clearly they were going to make more. Incredible Hulk came out really soon after, like the same year, right? I'm not sure. I think it was the same year. Yeah, I think it's a really cool end credit scene. Just opening that up to everything and showing how they planned everything from the start. Yeah, I feel like the only thing that we should probably mention is that we haven't yet is we haven't really mentioned Rhodes that much. <laughs> to be honest, Rhodes was kind of just like there for comic relief. I don't think he really added all that much to the movie other than, hey, look, Tony has a friend. <laughs> I feel like he was played like he has a character, but we didn't really see it. <laughs> Yeah, like, he seems like a hard-ass, but, like, still friends, and he is just used to Tony's shenanigans, and it was just really good to have, like, a really straight-edge person next to Tony to really show Tony's personality. Like, the whole flight to Asia, the Middle East, or whatever, with Tony and Rhodes, when Rhodes is like, all business, all business, and Tony's like, come on, it's fine, has some, like, champagne, and then, like, later, and Rhodes is like, no drinking, we need to talk business, and then later they're like, wasted with all the flight attendants just like dancing around like yeah in like a little disco rooms like it just shows a lot about i think he rhodes was there in iron man one mostly to contrast with tony which to be honest i don't think is very successful because i don't feel like we know his character well enough to understand why he's saying anything he's saying which is fine because they replaced the actor and he's a bit different in the later ones <laughs> <laughs> which it's actually, like, I realized watching it this time how much of a focus that Tony is. Like, this movie is completely about Tony. You don't really get to know any of the other characters with the exception of Pepper. Yeah, you get to know Pepper pretty well. Yeah. But, yeah, Rhodes, not at all. <laughs> and Happy was, like, not even existent. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think Happy said a word. He said, like, one thing the whole movie. He said... Oh, no, that was in a deleted scene. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, since, um... Since Happy was actually played by the director, I get that it's just some directors like having cameos in their own movies. And yeah. I don't know if Happy was ever really intended to have major roles in later films. It's just so weird because he does. <laughs> I know. John Favreau is fantastic. And I really just want him to make Iron Man 4 because this movie is amazing. Well, you should tell him. I, I should. I'll go find him. So... <laughs> So anyways, the way that we rate movies is instead of giving things a number like out of 10, which I don't think is a very good way to gauge movies, I thought what would be best is if we rate things in tiers. So there'd be like F, just this is garbage, D, C, B, A, going up from how good it is, then S, like it's super, like super movies, these are fantastic. And are we going to do A+, plus? Yeah. the in-between? All right, so... To go through it again, more detail. F. This is literally garbage and I never want to watch this movie again and it shouldn't have ever existed and burn it. <laughs> D. This movie's pretty bad. <laughs> C. Uh, this movie's okay. It's not great. B. This movie is good. It's solid. It's not my favorite movie in the world, whatever, but I don't hate it. A. It's a pretty good movie. I like it a lot. A+. plus. This movie is almost perfect. And S. This movie is amazing, perfect. All movies should be like this. As our first movie, I'm going to give Iron Man an S. As a movie that I thought may have deteriorated with age, watching it again with full focus really showed me that this movie is incredible. Start to finish, it is just so well put together. They do such a good job with Tony that all of its minor faults I can look past because it was revolutionary. 
And I'm not saying this movie is good because it was revolutionary, because people would say that about a lot of other movies, especially one that's kind of controversial for me right now. But I think this movie is fantastic, and it did an incredible job of setting up the MCU and Tony Stark as a character. It's totally fair. Um, (laughs) My rating is going to be a little more harsh. I feel like the first half is really strong, totally S-level, but the second half just brings it down for me. It's it's like bridging on the A-B level. Tear. <laughs> it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so with all of that in mind, I'd have to give this movie an A+. All right. So at the very beginning of this podcast, we're already disagreeing. Oh my God, Trey, this is crazy. It's like we're not the same person. What? Whoa! I thought you were just an extension of me. No way! I thought I was the only thing that existed in the universe. You're not. Uh, you're not Tony Stark, Henry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope you enjoyed our first podcast. Ooh. Our first real one. We're gonna. We're gonna have posted a introduction to who we are. So, if you like us as people, I again, I'm Henry, and I'm Trey. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't watched our introduction podcast, you should listen to it to learn a little bit more about us. And what we like in Marvel and how we got into it and stuff. And if you want to know where to find us, you can find us on facebook.com backslash MarvelousMCU. And you can also send us an email with any of your thoughts, comments, questions, especially if you disagree with anything we said, we want to know. Um, you can send those to MarvelousMCUPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll bring them up in later episodes. One other thing I want to mention is since this podcast is new, we really would appreciate you helping spread the word so please like and rate our podcast wherever you listen to it if it's on itunes leave a comment please that'll do us a huge favor and share it with any other people who you think would appreciate this yep and thanks very much for tuning in and we hope you join us next time for incredible hulk